Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. As you all know, I am Dr. Sunshine, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Dr. Nono. Hey. Amy Jo, MD. Hey, guys. And Dr. Chris. Hey, guys. And welcome to another episode. We have made it to a whole nother week, you know, God willing, all that Won't good stuff. Won't he do it? every time every time every time you know it's a it's a whole nother year but it just feels like a continuation so we're just thugging and bugging it's cool (laughs) you know right i will say this something that really has uh brightened my day was the fact that i finished wandavision and i think that we were talking about it before we started recording um i've gotten very deep into the marvel universe (laughs) as of maybe the last two to three years especially around infinity war endgame rewatched a lot of movies and I recently finished WandaVision, which I thought was wonderful and excellent. So if there's any Marvel fans out there, I see you. I am with you. Um, what's interesting, though, which I actually forgot to talk to. So Nono is also a big Marvel fan. And I think Chris and Amy Jo, you guys probably watch Casually, too. I watch Casually. But, yes. But I did hear some rumors about the upcoming show coming out, the uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's supposed to really be featured around, you know, the fact that there's no more Captain America. I mean, if you didn't know that already, guys, spoilers, I guess. I mean, if you didn't watch it, yeah, whatever. Listen, <laughs> we gave you long three, enough. Two, three-year-old three spoilers in case you didn't know. Whatever. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but apparently there's supposed to be, a rumor says that there's supposed to be a storyline um, about how America feels about the next Captain America being a black man. And since Captain America passed away and he gave the shield to Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Falcon, that he's trying to step into the role of Captain America and how America is coping with a black man <laughs> leading oh, them. Oh, that's going to yeah. be so good. Yeah. yeah. So it's supposed to be a race storyline. But that's a rumor. I don't know if it's true. It's not out yet. We'll see. But that's supposed to be a really big storyline. So I really want them like to focus on you know because when Captain America went back with the blip, um, and came mm-hmm. back like a super old man, like I want them to cover kind of what he did in that blip. Um, that he lived his life. He lived his life, girl. I mean, but you want to see like how he lived his life? Like you know, did he have the kids? Did he you know get the house? <laughs> all that you know that type of stuff is, is interesting to me. Um, but I, I'm really I really enjoyed Mackie and. Uh, uh, Bucky Barnes, like their chemistry in um, in Infinity War. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that's going to pan out for the new season. So guys, I was going to share something with you that maybe I shouldn't share because y'all going to oh, Because I feel like I'm going to get judged. No, go ahead. Right. Let's, let's go ahead. Let's All right. So no judgment. So I like <laughs> I watched um, Avengers Endgame like about I want to say about a month ago, not even a month ago, like a few weeks ago, found it on cable on TNT, of course, <laughs> did not get the beginning. So I don't know what happened in the beginning, but I figured it out for the rest. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, and, oh yes, I did. And then, and then when I saw when I saw that Captain America got Thor's uh, um, hammer, I was like, oh, crap. But then I wanted to call somebody and tell somebody that. But I was like, if I call somebody, I'm going to get super (laughs) judged about the fact that I'm like, so. Oh, that's hilarious. That was a big deal, you know, because Captain America's worthy. I know he can summon. He can summon. That's why I was like, why is it that he was able to hold the hammer? And then I wanted to tell somebody that, right? But I was like, I can't. 
there's nobody I can call that won't judge me. But that what was we knew it was coming because remember when they were all at Tony Stark's house that time and everybody was trying to yeah. like lift the hammer mm-hmm. and when Captain America went to go lift it, it, it moved a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thor was like, oh, yeah. So we knew it was wait coming. Wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah. that, was, that was a moment that you had to see in the theaters because when Cap got that hammer, the entire theater I was in erupted in applause. Like it was, it was so palpable. Like people could not stop clapping for like you know one to two minutes after he got that hammer. And I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Like that was, that was probably the best moment in Endgame is when that happened. So yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday as well because it didn't happen because it was <laughs> actually yesterday for Chris. <laughs> See, I'm trying to think. There goes the judgment. There goes the judgment. I'm not. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. It takes. I. I did see it. The first one, not not the end game. What was the one before that? When everybody Infinity War. It's you know it took me a while to see Infinity War. Like um, Armitra was definitely judging me because I knew what was going to happen, and I was like, I just can't watch everybody disappear. I just, I can't do it. I I she was like, really? Like, like every you all had all seen it, and I was still like, I'm just, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch it to the end. But I did manage to go. Um, but by the time I saw it, it was at the five dollar theater in uh, the Grange, Illinois, and that's when I saw it. So there you go. I'll give you. I'll, you know what's I'll interesting? Share your late viewing. But Amy Jo, Amy Jo knows about all the, the comics and has like read them and knows all the stuff. And then like she'll get around to watching them like whatever. She's like, oh, no, no, no. The way that that comic is supposed to go, they didn't do a really good job of explaining the background. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, let me give credit. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, listen, I like comics, but I like them now. But shout out to my cousin, Cornell, <laughs> because he is the reason why I know comics. Like he is really my source, right? Like, you know, you got a ghostwriter. He is my like ghost source, right? <laughs> behind the scenes so you know i call him and ask him a million questions because i know he's read every comic like he was a comic master when we were kids like you could not touch him like don't even eyeball the comic or else you're gonna be kicked out of his room so um (laughs) he is the reason why i appear to be such a nerd but I, i definitely am into it so like i'm asking a million questions it's like Wikipedia, but it's like he's like a real live person. So yeah, by the time the movie comes out, I have asked so many questions that I have the whole storyline. I'm like, wait a second, that's not who's supposed to do this. Or like, um, yes, Doctor Sunshine was like, wait, why do you know so much? I'm like, because like it's just so interesting. I'm waiting for Stark to come back because I'm like, I don't believe that he gone. Oh, he's about Tony. Tony, Tony is gone. tired. <laughs> Tony said he tired. He's taking all a rest. He was taking a rest. I don't think he's gone. But I like I his character. I, I think, think from Tony a comic standpoint, or Robert yeah. Downey Jr. is tired. Or you right. mean Robert Tony's is tired. tired. Right. Yeah. Robert is tired. Robert <laughs> yes. is like somebody else. And so, but because, you know, because Robert Downey Jr. is the face of Iron Man, it's going to take some years before they can like write him back in because people are not going to be able to let go of the character like you, Dr. Chris, that you've grown to love. I do like him. I and, love, and, you know I what? Love, and you know what, Chris? Uh, Chris, you. you would like Tony Stark. I I mean, you two so, are basically the same people. That New Yorker, that New Yorker vibe. Wow. Like, why are you coming to me with this? I can easily see that. And this is why I don't I don't care for Captain America, his character. Because <laughs> I just don't feel like it's believable. He's just too good. Like, that's not that's not true. Like, no one's that good. <laughs> you are Tony Stark all day Nobody's long. Nobody's that good. Like, I like a character oh, that's like, flawed. Maybe there are some Captain Americas out there. Hmm. They're not on this podcast, but um, <laughs> Captain <laughs> America does exist. <laughs> somewhere you know we got tony stark's uh slash dr chris uh, in the building right now but you know (laughs) listen 
I mean, y'all should know. Y'all should know Thor is my dude. Like, I've been a, I've been a Thor, I've been a Thor fan for a while. And of course, you know, I love me some Black Panther, which came along, you know, a little bit later along. But I love me some Thor. All the uh, listen, yeah, the hammer, the the family, the accent, everything about it. It's just so grandiose. It's so like I have the hammer. Like it's just so. I love it. Yeah, everything about it. He's extra. The family's extra. The hair is extra. The hammer's. I love it. It's great. I, I, I really love Tony. I, I really love Tony Stark, and I think I like him too. Be just because like he ends up being like a hero, but you wouldn't expect him to be the hero, like because he's so kind of selfish, but not. It's like so weird. It's he's a conflicted character. I know that I don't have the trending topics for this week. One of y'all does, and it's not I me. do. I it do. Ain't me. And I'm gonna keep it short because I, I'm doing just this one because I know we can get a little lengthy on them. But Doctor uh, Princess. Dinar, am I saying her name right? Dinar. She's a black female physician that uh, has a lawsuit against Tulane. So she has got this long story. So she became a co-director of the MedPeds. She became the program director, co-program director of the MedPeds program back in 2008. At the time she got the job, um, you know, she's discussing that, you know, there was discrimination like coming through the door. And so when she first was hired for the job by Dr. Lee Ham, he was the chair of internal medicine at that time. Dr. Lee Ham told Dr. Denard that she could be co-director because he was afraid that white medical students wouldn't follow or rank favorably the program if it had a black program director. And at that time, they were not trying to change the face of Tulane Medicine. Now, for people who do not know where Tulane is, it's in New Orleans and it's smack dab in the hood. And like most residency programs, it serves underserved patients, which means that a lot of patients look like her. And in hospitals where a lot of patients are underserved, to be quite honest, you find that a lot of Black doctors kind of gravitate to this area. And so you kind of know that these programs are going to be attracting a, a diverse population. So in my residency program, we were very diverse, right? We had representation across all cultures, lots of women, Asian Americans, white Americans, Black Americans, international of all, you know, cultures. And so um, that's one benefit. And so this started in 2008. And so she goes on to talk about, you know, Dr. Weiss apparently was problematic coming through the door because he had introduced um, a program called Atlas is like this resident selection program, which ranked historically, historically black medical colleges towards the bottom of his list. So for people who do not know about residency programs, it's, there's a ranking system. So, re- you know, medical students go around, they interview a different residency programs and and then those programs rank all the people that they've seen. You rank them from your, your top people to your bottom. It's like a draft system. And so his program that she was forced to co- be the this guy, Dr. Weiss, whom she was forced to be a co-program director with, had um, introduced this program and it purposely ranked lower people who came from like HBCUs, black medical school. So that was a problem. And apparently this, this guy had, had um, formal complaints and the GME in 2018, he'd had a complaint for some discriminatory actions by like seven black female residents. Um, and so there was all this demand for fair and equitable treatment in their experiences at Tulane. And so there's just been things that have been happening and brewing. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Dinar filed a, a complaint in 2018 against Dr. Wise for some discriminatory actions. Um, he was forcing different residents to like 
um, have more difficult rotations. Um, he kind of was refusing to allow some residents to complete their ACMG and me rotations, which were necessary for graduation. Um, mm. There was, he was threatening to reduce the number of um, MedP's residents from like six down to four. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot because most of the time residents are stretched in on what they're covered in a hospital. You cannot afford to lose anyone, let alone two residents in a, and that's a small program. So all these things, you know, were coming up. And so, um, so she expressed these complaints and continued to express them. And then there were like issues with like when in 2020, when the, when the pandemic hit, you know, there was like mm. shortage of PPE supplies. And so her clinic, you know, she, you know, was stating that her clinic was the only clinic that had to give up some of their PPE equipment mm. where other residency clinics were not, you know, required to do so. Um, and so she files this complaint and they essentially fire her. Mm. So of course they do. Yeah. So they fire her and, and I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure you all have seen, maybe you didn't like read the whole thing, but it has like taken off. So, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like any, any, you know, black medical doctor group has been talking about it. And so they've been tweeting about it and they've been sending, you know, letters to the ACGME and all these things. So it's been a big deal over the past, I want to say six to eight months mm-hmm. um, to the point where Tulane has now said, okay, okay, okay. We were just playing. You can have your job back. Don't want it back. Right. (laughs) Right. So, and of course she's like, but what has changed? I mean, it became big news. Like it was on like um, MSNBC. It's been like on, on like some of the major news outlets. Like it really gained some ground to the point where medical students were writing both, you know, black and white alike saying we will, we will be like some residents. I mean, potential residents were pulling their applications from Tulane's MedP program. Like, this is not the place we want to be. We're not comfortable. They've got medical students in Tulane that were speaking out. There's like, um, you know, their, their black um, medical students were like speaking out and everything. And so it became a lot of social pressure from them. And they were like, we're just playing. You can have your job back. I don't know what's worse, right? Like mm-hmm. fire me because I filed a discrimination suit or when everybody hears about it, you're like, I'm just playing. You can come back. Like that makes no sense to me. That's because that kitchen got too hot. The man. kitchen got too hot. They're like, oh man, we got, we got to, uh, where, where's she at? Get it back, get it back, get it back. Right. And so, you know, uh, I had watched a news interview and she, you know, they were asking, of course, you know, why are you staying? Of course she was like, I'm staying for my residence. You know, like you stay because you think like you can hold out, you know, you just, you don't want to be run off. And I hear women say this all the time. Like I didn't want to be run off. Like I didn't want to appear to be weak. You know, I thought what I was doing was bigger than myself. And so I was willing to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, but she's not taking the job back. You know, she's consulting her lawyer because she then put in like a, you know, I think a civil suit, I, I think had been put in, you know, and so she's like, you know, the job they're offering me is not with any, um, they've not done anything to correct any of the actions in there. So that doesn't appear to be anything more than, Hey, take this job back so people can stop talking about us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's where they are. So it's ongoing, but you know, it just kind of speaks to representation and the difficulties that, you know, black women, you know, black doctors, but in this case of black women, black women are still having to work for it's March. So it's, you know, we, we're talking about women, you know, this month and women in leadership is always difficult. Like it always, comes with um something you still have got to fight against you know all of the social constructs so 
you know, there's my, there's my in the news, but, um, women are still fighting the fight and, uh, it's exhausting, but it is good to know that there are some of them out there doing it very well. And there are some of them that are out there still fighting the good fight. So keep up the good work, ladies, Dr. Dinar. I hope that, you know, there's some resolution. I hope that she gets everything that she's, you know, deserves. And it'll be interesting to follow to see what happens um, to Tulane. I have questions because yeah. I'm also, I'm curious about, cause it sounds like she raised all these concerns and everything. You know, I'm talking about Dr. Dr. Denard now. Okay. Um, and Tulane. It sounds like she raised all these concerns and things, but what, what happened with the, with her co-director who she raised all these concerns about? Is he still at the program? Like, is she still supposed to take her position back and be co-director with this guy still like what, what is happening? So that's a good question. And, and I wish I knew. So I know that Dr. I think his name is Dr. Weiss or Dr. Weiss. Um, W I E S E. Um, I wouldn't want to work with him. I'm like, yo, nah, bro. Right, we're not, like, we're not doing this. Right. We're not yeah. jumping back in the same thing. Like I, you know, she, it sounds like since she took the job in 2008, there have been consistent, um, aggressions, macro or uh, micro or macro uh, against her. And so it, that's what I'm like you, Dark Sunshine. Like the answer isn't just, okay, okay, we're just playing. Listen, here your key back to your office. Go ahead and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Like, absolutely not. Um, no, especially not because like, because many of the listeners may not know, but like when it comes to ranking, you know, all of the medical students that you guys have interviewed, and if you have a co-program director, the two of you are supposed to be working in tandem to make this list of, of med students that you would possibly want to recruit. So if I have to work with this man who I know is not, you know, treating all of these applicants equally and has this whole system to even more so marginalize certain groups, then no, I'm not going to do that. So I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to work and with him at all. And then you said he, they, she raised these concerns in 2008. So we're now in 2021. That's about what? That's well over a decade. Nothing. It seems like in 2008. That was when they first, when she first got the job. Like they, we started off on the wrong foot, right? When she got the job, she was hired as a co-director. And and you know, for people in residence, we understand that's really rare. I, you know, I don't recall in my time in residency ever seeing like a co-program director. So you're Mm -hmm. already splitting it. And so when she came into the job, the fact that they had said, which, you know, Dr. I think Dr. Lee Ham has, you know, denied saying this, but when they told her, um, you know, you, we can't allow, like we can't allow you to be the program director because you're black and we don't want to scare off white people. Um, So you can't be the face of med peds. Um, like even coming into that, you're like, oh my God. So I'm sure she knew then that she was in trouble, but you know, you're trying, I mean, it's a big deal. Like program directors, uh, are a big deal. You're responsible for the care and concern of, you know, residents making sure they get everything. It's stressful, right? You know, resident, the job as program director is stressful in itself, but to come into it, knowing that somebody's like, you're, you're too, you're black and your black skin we think is a problem regarding the people that we attract. So we're going to put this white man next to you so that, you know, it feels a little bit better for us so that they understand that we here at Tulane are white friendly and we're going to put a white face up. Like, I don't know how you continue to work when that's, 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 that's day one. That's like a pun hiring. Like this is what we told you. Like the blackest of cities in the U S like you think, you know, having a, a person who's like, you know, head of the program would be an asset to you in order to recruit, you know, more minorities to your program. But, you know, clearly 
they're not seeing it that that's way. if you so, want that's if you want you know, minorities in your program exactly and that's the problem they're not they're not seeing the value right and i'm like that's that's horrible that they don't do that like i mean i would think that you would capitalize on this right like hey we have minorities and we have white person and we have black person like everyone's welcome kind of a thing you know but they don't see it that way and that's unfortunate yes you know uh minorities are an asset in medicine and i feel like you know tulane just you know squandered that with this whole debacle with dr damar so i i honestly hope she gets her just due and that a program if she does decide not to go back to tulane that a program will see the asset that she can bring to their program and go from there. Cause they're, you know, she deserves better. Listen, than this. I wonder how they thought that would go honestly. over. Like, because you know, when they, when they dismissed her, of course you, you know, they always dismiss you under like performance concerns, right? Like we don't think you're fit for the job. And so then here comes all this like social media heat and you know, did the news, did the news um, stations pick it up and you're feeling all this pressure and you're like, you can come back to work. So then which one, but I thought you said you let her go because of, you know, all these performance issues. And now you're just like, well, she can have her job back. Mm-mm, I'm petty. I'm petty. No, nah, I would not take, oh, I, if it was me, I would not. She, she, need, would she not needs go to go back. up and, and, and set up her little, set up her little uh, interview station, like how LeBron did. Like, I'm going to take my talents to uh, <laughs> right. South Beach. Like right. she needs to go ahead and just right. kick back and just be like, you know, I'm just going to pivot. Right. I'm just going to pivot and I'm going to go somewhere that values me for everything right. I have to offer. And, but I do understand. And what's crazy is that I do understand her viewpoint though. Because I, I, you know, I'm a sucker. I, I mean, I'm emotional. I have feelings, all that good stuff. I try to keep it on the low, but I do have them. So when she, <laughs> so when she says, so when she says, I'm really here for the residents, because she is really dedicated to the education of other future doctors. Like that's really what she wants to do. And she wants to do it in this community and in this program. Like that's who she wants to serve. So she's like, all I want to do is this great deed towards the education of future doctors. And you are stopping me from doing that because of this heinous list of things I've created since 2008. So I get it. I get it. Now you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go to the top. You gotta make sure you get him out and you take the thing over. Cause you know, like I said, I'm petty. I don't yes. do it unless I am in charge and he's out of here. Chris want to Chris want to take over. Oh, Chris yeah. want to take over. Oh yeah, yeah. Because if I'm not taking over, no. And then what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to their rival, like their real competition. Make sure I take over, and then it'll be my mission. Because <laughs> I'm petty. Because I'm petty. I'm a little petty. I'm a little petty. I mean, you sound like a super villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to be someplace where you appreciate it. You know, yeah, I tell you, do, you I, do. Dr. Chris, Dr. Chris, keeping it too real. Chris, talk to us about our featured topic today. So what's the topic, Chris? Yeah. So the topic is about sleep, guys. Chris is Chris is also all about the sleep because Chris loves what? to sleep. And this is why it's crazy. <laughs> Yes, it's important. It's important. And it happens to be the weekend that we're going to get less sleep because, you know, it's daylight savings time that's coming up. Oh, when? Tomorrow? Yeah. So now we're going to get less sleep. Right. I know, guys. I know, guys. But yes, but I think sleep, sleep is very important. Unfortunately, I don't even understand how I did this. I chose a profession that does not cater (laughs) to sleep, even though I love sleep. But... (laughs) 
It is what it is. <laughs> this is going to be your eternal struggle. It, it, is, it is my struggle, eternal Chris. struggle. Um, but yes, but we're going to talk about sleep. So what we're going to talk about is what happens when you sleep um, and also some good ways to help you healthy sleep habits, sleep hygiene. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, you got to talk about, you know, I'm all about threes, about three different things. So like some disorders with sleep. So we're going to talk about insomnia, sleep apnea, and restless leg syndrome, because it has to be three. Like, why would it be more than that? So there are other, there are other sleep disorders, but we're not going to go into all of the type of sleep disorders. I was just going to hit on like the most common ones that we end up seeing in the office. Right. So Mm -hmm. I chose sleep because I have to say that is one of the things that I have this complaint with a lot of patients, a lot of patients coming to me like, oh, doc, I can't sleep. You know, um, I need something for sleep. Help me because I can't sleep. Right. So I think that is important that we talk about it. So um, first thing I want to talk about is what happens when you sleep. Right. So basically your brain cycles to two different types of sleep. You have your non-REM and your REM sleep. So REM stands for rapid eye movement. So during, so the first part of your sleep, you go to your non-REM sleep. And so there's like three stages in sleep and your non-REM. So the first stage, you're like kind of awake, falling asleep. Second stage is like you get a little bit of light sleep. You can be aroused, like your heart rate and your breathing starts to regulate. And then in the third stage, that's when you're getting the deeper part of sleep, when your your body temperature drops a little bit. And during that time, that's the time when your body kind of uses uses that time to repair itself, uh, repair the tissues, build bones and muscles, strengthen your immune system. So that's important. And then after you cycle through, after you go through your non-REM, then you go to your REM sleep, right? And then during that REM sleep, a lot of people know about the REM sleep because that's the part when you like start dreaming. And in that in that time that your your eyes move rapidly behind your closed um, eyelids, your brain waves. Um, kind of are similar to when you're when you're up and that's probably part of the reason why like you're dreaming around that time during that time too like your body is like your breathing rate increases your body temperature becomes like more stable and then you're kind of paralyzed you're paralyzed like so you can't like move because you're like sleeping and then during that time Mm -hmm. then it stimulates your brain to help like increase like protein um, protein production and learning is increased during that time Right. So you cycle through this like four to five times during the night. So this is what happens when you're sleeping. But there's also, of course, the whole sleep thing is like more complicated, but I'm really like breaking it down and simplifying it for people. Um, And you have two main regulars of sleep. Like you have two main processes that regulate your sleep. So you got your circadian rhythms and you got your sleep drive. So your circadian rhythms is controlled by your biological clock in your brain. Okay. So um, which it responds to light cues. So that's why when there's light outside, you're up, right? And then when it gets darker, mm-hmm. you get to be, you get more sleepy and you get more sleepy because your brain starts to produce melatonin, right? So that's the hormone that it produces mm-hmm. to try to get you saying, hey, it's time to sleep. And as time goes on, <laughs> it gets um, ramped up in production, right? And then you also have this thing called your sleep drive, okay, which builds up as the day goes on, you get this drive to want to fall asleep, right? So your sleep drive is unlike hunger because when you're hungry, like you want to eat, like you feel like you got to eat, but you could 
not eat if you don't want to eat. But when you need to sleep, you're going to end up sleeping. <laughs> and I feel like we have all gone through this at some point. Because like when you're tired, you can't do anything but go to sleep, right? And Amy Jo is the worst culprit oh. for that. Amy Jo is oh the worst. Oh my gosh. I'm that. sorry, what? What y'all talking jo about? Is the worst. They're judging you. They're judging you. You're legendary for that. Like, just fall asleep typing at your computer. Yo, listen, just, I'm tired, man. Like, right? I've been up all night. <laughs> you know, here's a problem. I swear to you. The sleep drive of Amy Jo is, is unrivaled by anyone else I've ever met. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can fall awesome. asleep like listen once once it is clear once we're clear for sleep I'm done like I don't need a wind down time but in the hospital <laughs> I'm so tired like I swear to y'all it, listen they, these people know but um to all the listeners the hospital <laughs> could be full of the happiest people right everybody's getting better everybody's heart failure is improving cancers are being cured you know pains are going away like everybody's breathing fine let me step into the hospital for a night shift okay Mm. there will be (laughs) 10 codes and nobody can breathe everybody's delirious you know alcohol withdrawals happening right now you know people are peeing on walls like that is the whole day (laughs) and (laughs) there's no time to be tired so once i get the green light and it's time to go to sleep listen i'm out like on demand, like yes. I can do it, you know, and I have to say, I feel like going through residency, I was never like this before. Like I can literally, if I sit still long enough and not doing anything, I can fall asleep. It just could <laughs> happen. It doesn't even matter. Like I'm sitting and I'm just sleeping and everybody on this, everybody on this podcast knows, like I have a bedtime and I'm very strict with my bedtime and I go to sleep oh, at my bedtime. And if you try to have a conversation with me past my bedtime, <laughs> it's not going to work. Like, I mean, I'm a night owl out of all y'all. Like, I, I thrived on night oh, shift. No. Like, I was good. Just give me a pot of coffee and I'm good Man, to go. Man, but listen, night. listen. No, no is also a white cloud mm-hmm. and Amy Jo is a black cloud. Yes. Thank so you. So I felt like, I felt like whenever, whenever No No walks into the hospital, all of a sudden everybody just feels great. Yep. They just giggling yep. and stuff. And then as soon as as soon as as soon as Nono goes to to tag you out, like you switching shifts, you know, Nono's like, oh hey, tag you're in. Yeah. I'm clocking out. Have a good shift, girl. As soon as Amy Jo walk in there, everybody got ooh my chest hurt. Right. Oh my god. Right. Nurses be like, doctor, doctor, doctor. They they lung conscious. Like I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, it was all cool Yo, until Amy fault. Jo walked in. I'm like, why? <laughs> Why does trouble surround Amy Jo? I'm like, this is so crazy. And we're talking about this and we're joking about sleep, but sleep is really important, right? And people don't understand. That's why I take sleep seriously. Like, I'm like, if I do not (laughs) sleep, I'm having a bad day the next day. Like, it's just, I have to sleep. Like, it's just not, Mm. it's just not cool. And the reason why is because when you don't sleep, it significantly impacts your brain function, right? So a healthy amount of sleep is important for your brain to remember and process what you learn, right? Because if you don't sleep well enough, you're not going to remember what you learned. You could be studying something. As you know, I wish I could have learned through osmosis. And how many times I slept on a book and I wish I could have (laughs) remembered everything that I read before I slept or like when you start writing Mm -hmm. and you fall asleep. And then you're just like, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Like, you don't remember. But, but you know, here's the funny part. And I learned this. Um, I learned this in medical school. And I used to 
teach this. Like when I was teaching, like I used to um, teach board prep. It's hard to get students to get out of it because in your your and when you're a medical student, your first mind is like, if if I just I, if I can stay up as late as I can and right. I can read all mm-hmm. this information, then I would have seen it and I would be ready. Mm-hmm. And it took somebody trying to that convince me to say, look, go to bed. Like there's a cutoff time where you just got to get to sleep. And ironically enough, when I started doing that, the stuff that I did get to read your sleeping allows you to lay memory. Mm -hmm. And I understood it way better than if I'd stayed up all night trying to remember all that you're going to, you're going to lose the whole information. Like, yeah, maybe you saw everything you want to see, but you don't have enough. You don't have enough time to sleep that you lay the memory that you need. And so you're going to wake up the next day. You're going to be fatigued. You're not going to remember anything versus if you cut it off, the things that you did get to, you will know well. And the things that you did not get to, you're going to wrong anyway. So you might as well keep rolling, but you will still end up scoring better because you've got a group of information in your head. And so it took me, it took me a while to come to that, but I did learn even in medical school that if I slept, if I got quality sleep, my memory was better on what I retained from what I'd seen if I did it, but it was hard to convince me of that. But I did learn that. I learned that personally. Yeah. And it's, it's so true because when you're trying to do that, you're trying to cram and get that, get the the answers to that test. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to stay up so I can get all the information I can. You wake up the next day to take the test. You fall asleep on the test. So you're going to get the stuff wrong anyway, right? Because you can't stay up <laughs> to finish the test, right? So Y'all know I stay mm-hmm. falling asleep in some tests, oh, though. Yeah. You're looking at the person who right. slept yeah. through every IT exam. Look over at Angel, and she's like, knocked yes. out. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that advice for all you Zennials and Gen Z folks, because all the millennials and Gen X, we, we graduated already. But um, yeah, you. I mean, all-nighters are like, they don't work. So you're going to be like asleep midway through the night. I mean, fun fact, I worked as a barista for four years when I went to my undergrad. I didn't drink a drop of coffee. But when I got into med school, I was like, I mean, my, my blood is made <laughs> out of it by now. So, I mean, so it's it's all about because like what Dr. Chris said, like you retain all the info that you study when you actually go to sleep and you're actually processing that over in your head as you as you're going through REM sleep. So that's why it's important for you to, you know, the all-nighters, they, they don't, they're not, if you want, if you're trying to be the most efficient with how you're studying and trying to retain info, you need, you need to like at least go to sleep to make sure that like burns into your long-term memory so that you know it for the test the next day. And on top of that, y'all should not be studying, cramming for any tests like the day before. Like that's just... This is bad form. Like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it is, yeah. but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But, but then I, what I was also saying is too, like when you sleep, when you're sleeping better, you're actually healthier too, right? So it ain't, so when you don't mm-hmm. sleep very well, it increases your risk of depression, seizures. Like if you have a seizure disorder, if you're not sleeping, you can get more seizures. If you have migraine headaches, you don't sleep, that mm-hmm. can precipitate more migraine headaches, you know? And also it helps with your immune system. So getting sleep is necessary and we need it. Like your body needs to rest, right? And so a normal amount of sleep for a healthy adult is between like seven to nine hours. But there are some people that can like literally function on a little amount of sleep. And as we can all attest to, uh, residency has definitely 
made you function on little to no sleep. Like you can make really big life changing decisions on like two hours of sleep. <laughs> I don't even know how, <laughs> how they even did that with us, but they really did. Like we can, we can actually do that. But, um, but some people, Ooh-wee. some people can like literally function on like four hours of sleep. Like they just, after four hours, they don't need any more. They're good. And they feel well rested. Some people need that seven to nine hours. I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> or I'm just not good. All right. So newborns, kids, and teenagers require way more sleep um, than adults um, normally do. And mostly that is because, like I said from before, uh, that the sleep helps with repair and growth. So they require more sleep in order to have healthy growth development, right? Um and as you get older, you do still need sleep, but the whole thing is like, um, it might take a little bit longer for you to fall asleep if you're older. It also depends on your, on your um, chronic medical conditions, or maybe you just, it, you fall asleep a lot faster. And like sometimes older people perceive that they don't sleep well, but mainly because they're sleeping mostly through the day and not sleeping at night and don't realize that. So, but we'll get into that. But can you cover can you cover that a little bit bit more? Because, you know, I find that I have to educate. um, I get a I think I get a lot of like insomnia complaints. Right. Yes. And it's often and, and often if it's my older patients, I think that they are still wanting that. You know, America's overworked at baseline. So they're still wanting that. I came home. I got home from work at five o'clock by six o'clock. I was exhausted. You know, um, nine o'clock, I could barely keep my eyes open. I crashed and burned and I was dead to the world until the sun came up again at 6 a.m. And because they're not getting that, they then say, oh, well, I have a sleep problem. You need to give me a medicine that'll make me sleep. But I think people and then you're trying to get them to under when you're like asking, like, do they sleep throughout the day? They say no. But that's not true. Sleep is cumulative. And so even if you nod off for five minutes and you were on the couch, watch TV and you did that nod, and let's say you did that for your morning show and then you did it again for your favorite noon show and then you did it again. Oh, and then, the, you know, the grandkids came over, you were fine. And then somebody was cooking and you nodded off. And so you those noddings are are adding up. So now here comes nine o'clock before you would have worked a full day and didn't get a chance to sleep at all. And you're ready to crash and burn at nine o'clock, but you're not going to do that if you've been napping throughout the day. Right. And because people don't, don't go down for a nap, they were not like, well, I went and took a nap at, at one o'clock. And because they're nodding, they don't count it as a nap. And so in their minds, they should still be sleepy. But you will not be sleepy if you have been nodding off, even if you never fall asleep. If you keep if that head keeps falling forward for, you know, a whole movie, mm-hmm. it counts. And, it's going to throw your sleep pattern. And off. I'm glad that you said that, because that is true, because they do say that when you're napping for more than 30 minutes right in the day that that decreases your sleep drive. Because remember, I was talking about the two main processes that regulate your sleep. So if you are napping a lot and most people nap, they don't nap for like, they usually nap for more than 30 minutes. Like they go for a nap for like an hour or two and be like, I napped. That's not yeah. really a nap. Like you fell asleep, you know? So if you sleep <laughs> earlier in the day, then it's going to decrease your sleep drive. So it's, you're going to stay up later, right? And so then that throws everything off. Right. So I'm also going to talk about some healthy sleep habits, because 
I think that is the main issue when I have people come in for insomnia. They're like, oh, doc, I can't sleep, but they have poor sleep hygiene. And it's like, mm-hmm. they want a medication, but it's kind of like, if you just change some of your habits, maybe you'll be able to sleep. And then we don't have to give you medications, but we'll get into that. Um, so I was going to talk a little bit about insomnia. So um, we have um, acute insomnia and chronic insomnia. So insomnia is when it's a sleep disorder, when you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, right? So acute insomnia lasts for about from one night to a few weeks and chronic insomnia could happen at least three nights a week for at least three months or more. Okay. So of course, Hmm. with, with most disorders, you have primary and secondary, right? So primary insomnia is just that you can't, you can't sleep because maybe you're stressed out or you're, you a shift worker or you're jet lagged. That's a primary insomnia. And the secondary insomnia is you can't sleep because of a medical condition that's causing that's causing you to not be able to sleep. Like if you have a sleep apnea that we're going to talk about later on depression or anxiety, all Mm -hmm. of those things can affect your sleep. Right. Um, So the number one treatment for insomnia is basically lifestyle changes, right? Which would be lifestyle changes. (laughs) Exactly. Which will, which we're going to talk about healthy sleep habits. Right. So basically your bed is for sleep and for sex. That's it. <laughs> sleep and sex. But people do so many things in their bed. They read, they watch TV, and they wonder why they can't sleep. Because those, yep. are, those are bad habits. So you have to give yourself time to sleep. Keep a sleep schedule. Going to bed at the same time every day, even, even when you don't work, and waking up at the same time, even on the weekends. Same time every day that helps keep you to have good sleep. And like I was saying, keeping like your sanctuary, like your bed, not reading, not watching TV, because it messes with what I was telling you from before with the circadian rhythms and the light. Because even though you're not really paying attention, your eyes are closed, but you can still, your brain is still processing, still seeing the light. So then it's not producing enough melatonin and it's not making you go to sleep. Right. I tell people this all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in your cell phone and it's in these brand new TVs. Don't get me wrong. That LED screen is beautiful. Like when I'm watching ESPN, I'm like, man, this this, this picture is so crisp. I can see the dimples on people like everything. (laughs) So that's great for daytime TV, but it's bad for and it's particularly bad. It's bad for sleeping. So if you got your cell phone out, you're still flipping through Instagram. I'm going to look at Twitter real quick. I'm going to check Facebook. I'm going to just look at stuff until I fall asleep. If you've ever noticed, if you are listening and you've ever noticed, like I was tired when I got to bed and I started flipping through my phone and we kind of get all into that dangerous, like I'm going to flip through Instagram and see what these pictures are talking about. And then you look up and you're like, I'm not tired. It is because Mm -hmm. the LED screen on your phone, your tablet, your TV say it is not, it's not two o'clock in the morning. It's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're not asleep. You're not sleepy. You're fine. You can get up and you can go do anything. (laughs) So, um, that will disrupt it. And that's hard for people who used to use a TV to go to sleep, but they use the old school TV that didn't have this LED screen. And so now they've got these brand new TVs that, you know, grandkids have bought for them and stuff like that. And these things are shining like pure sunshine into your brains. And they're like, I can't sleep 
if you don't give me something, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I'm going to give you the remote to turn your TV off. Like, that's what I'm going to give you. <laughs> because, you know, it's the LED screens. And I've even had to tell my, my, my parents that who are like, my kid is hype at night. And I'm like, yeah, because I've, I've recommended like charging stations. Like, let's have a charging station where at the end of the night, everybody, parents included, Everybody brings their phones to the station. If you need an alarm, you got to go old school um, to set it up and see if that helps, particularly for little kids who are like, I'm keeping my tablet. But if everybody's doing it, then they'll participate from like my teenagers and my adults. If you if your kids are old enough, they can follow, you know, some rules with some understanding. I'm sure Androids have it. I have an iPhone, so mine has it. But you can set up a sleep schedule in your phone. So at a certain time Mm -hmm. of the night, my phone automatically goes on to do not disturb because I should be preparing for bed. And um, if you are not saved in a particular phone list, then I'll holler at you in the morning. You're just not getting through. (laughs) Um, Now, I hope people don't start calling me and be like, I called you and I got to do not disturb. Am I not in your list? Like, that's not what I mean. (laughs) Some, like, I mean, it is what I mean, but still. I mean, but yes, yeah, yeah uh, that is what you mean, though. <laughs> you know, it, it's just that, you know, just to prevent you from looking over at the phone, right? So if every text message or every like Instagram post or if every, you know, thing lights the phone up and you keep turning around and look at it really quickly, even for people that are like, oh, I just want to, you know, they pick the phone up, let me look real quick and they turn it back over. That's still disturbing mm-hmm. your sleep pattern. You're, you're not winding down and you need about 30 minutes to wind down. And so you can set your phone up to help you practice better behavior. Yes, that's very true. But I mean, for me, anybody who called me after my bedtime, I'm not picking up because <laughs> nah, I didn't hear you because I'm asleep. Another thing that you mentioned, Chris, that's really important, especially as I do these remote visits with my patients and especially like, you know, not that I'm particularly paying attention to your background, you know, but you will notice sometimes that your patients are talking on their laptops and they're on their bed. And I'm like, are you on your bed? They're like, yeah, I work on my bed. And I'm like, why are you working on your bed? I'm like, what is what is happening here? But there's a bunch of people who like, they don't have, especially in the city, if you work in a major city, a lot of them are like, well, I don't have the space to have like, they're like, there's either my bed, there is the kitchen, there's the bathroom. And then maybe people have a dining room, you know, area that they can maybe turn into an office. But there's a bunch of people working from home and their bed is their office now. Mm-hmm. And their laptop is now what used to be their desktop. And that's just how they're living. But it's messing up their sleep yeah. because they don't have the whole, the bed is my sanctuary anymore. Now the bed is everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. yeah, mm-hmm. it confuses the body. Mm-hmm. They're always like kind of... Like it's, it's another like random pet peeve of mine. Like when people like eat in their bed and like when they're, you know, doing work in the bed, like your bed is solely for sleep. Like that's, and you train our brains to recognize the bed as only for sleep. So if you're doing things. Chris, are you laughing? Are you laughing because no, no said no food. And then you were like, well, but during sex, if you have food, is that what you're trying to say? What happened? I'm so confused. No, no. I'm I'm laughing because she said it's only for sleep, but I'm like, but you also have to mention sex as well. Don't get me wrong. Like and sex. Right. You can do both. I misspoke. Sleep and sex. That is what your bed is for. Anything else outside of that, you need to do in other parts of your house. So because like your brain is trained to recognize the bed as that as that purpose. So if you're doing things outside of that, your you know your unconscious you know self is going to get confused, and you know that's going to also mess up your sleep pattern, which is what we do not want. So exactly when we tell you to turn off your TV, tell you not to eat unless you're using the food for sex play or whatever, 
Um, <laughs> you know, those are things that not, yeah. So those are things that we do not want you to do. Otherwise, you're not going to get a good night's sleep, and that is a problem. So yeah, yeah. So like avoiding large meals before going to sleep also. Um, they said you shouldn't do that. Coffee, of course, caffeine, alcohol. You shouldn't be doing that right before bed because it can sugar affect your sleep. Um, and also another thing too, like especially, um, I guess like with my menopausal ladies, a lot of times they get like hot flashes at night, and like if you're hot, you're not gonna fall asleep. If you're sweating, you're not gonna sleep. So really making sure that the temperature is cool. Um, like at a good temperature for you to fall asleep. You can't be too cold, can't be too hot. You got to have that right temperature, right? And making sure that the room is dark. Like it's important to have it dark, you know, pull your curtains so so you can let your body know, hey, it's time for sleep. Set a timer for the TV so the timer goes off. Like if you're just like, look, I have to have the TV on. Okay, fine. But let's set a timer. It does. Mm. It does matter. So like I track my sleep. I, you know, I track a lot. I love I'm a track fanatic. So I track my sleep. <laughs> and when I look at the the cycles, like the REM cycles, because you people think that they go to bed and they have like this one long, you know, elongated dream. I know in your dream, it sounds like you've been dreaming this same dream for hours, but you kind of fall. You go through multiple rounds of REM where you start to dream. Mm -hmm. So if you wake up, if you're in a healthy sleep pattern, I think it's anywhere from like three to five REM minimum that you need to to have. So Mm -hmm. you could have had tons of dreams in between that. But people, you know, will tell me like, oh, it's not the TV because um, I sleep fine. Like what you mean is you don't recall, you know, waking up, but you may not be getting those REM cycles. And when I fall asleep and I leave my TV on by accident, when I look at my my sleep patterns, they're always different. Mm-hmm. They're, they are always different. Mm-hmm. There are less cycles of REM. My heart rate doesn't drop down as low. Like it's always a little bit more elevated. Um, and so, you know, I wish... I need people to know that that's, um, that's a thing. <laughs> and also like, if you find that you're laying in bed and you can't fall asleep, like the recommendation is for you to get up, right. Do yeah. something quietly and then go to, go to bed when you're sleepy, because then you're just laying there and you're not falling asleep. Then you're just frustrated. And then it just takes longer. But what you go do though, should not involve your cell phone, your iPad or I- an LED screen. Be careful with your dairies. Mm-hmm. Be careful with your sugars. So if you want to drink some herbal tea, like I got sleepy time tea in my, you know, um, cabinet. And so I will get some. Now keep in mind that if you tend to run hot at, at bedtime, then drinking some warm tea may increase your temperature too much. And ultimately, um, Dr. Chris was saying that, you know, a good temperature is what you're looking for, but your body tends to drop its temperature when you're sleeping. So whether you realize it or not, you prefer it a little bit on the cooler side. So sometimes tea is not a thing that helps, you know, everybody, but sometimes it is. Overhydrating when you get out the bed to in that, you know, window is going to be bad because it may work. But then if you get back to sleep and your bladder is a little sensitive, if, if you get triggered to get back up because you got to use the bathroom, that's one thing. So I generally tell people, you know, journaling, because, you know, most people pop up and they say, you know, I just had a really bad day at work and I got these things on my mind. So sometimes getting a piece of paper, writing it all down and checking off things you can do about right now and things you can't do it. You answer those questions, you ball it up, throw it away and you keep going. 
pull out a good old fashioned book, that book that you've been trying to read that you can't get through because it makes you sleepy. Well, let's do it tonight. So let's pull it out and let's read a few pages (laughs) until you get sleepy and then, you know, go back to sleep. Um, stuff like that. Working out, um, people sometimes will work out and they'll say, well, if I go to, if I work out, I'm always tired afterwards. So I'll go to sleep. That's hit or miss. Some people can work out and be exhausted Mm -hmm. and then hop in the bed and crash and burn. But working out gets your endorphins going and gets your adrenaline pumping. So you might be stimulated when it's time to go back to sleep. Um, Sex is tricky. So for some people, the act of sex intercourse or masturbation ejaculation gives them a little bit of bounce of energy. So it may not let you sleep right away. So you really got to play it by ear and what, what works for you when you're having this moment and you can't go back to sleep. Um, so like, let's say you tried all those things and it didn't work, right? So now we move into what it'd be like, okay, doc, what can you give me to help me sleep, right? So there are treatments out there to help with sleep, right? First line, um, usually what we go to first is if someone tells me like, hey, doc, I can't sleep. Or my first thought, first thing I tell them like, hey, did you try some melatonin? right? Because like I told you with the sleep cycle, melatonin helps you fall asleep. So I'm like, did you try melatonin? Like, yeah, doc, I tried it. Or sometimes like it helps me. I'm like, did it help? Like, yeah, it helped a little bit. I'm like, okay, great. So keep doing it. (laughs) Um, And also with the the sleep habits, right? That we talked about. And then another medication, doxepin, that's also first line that's safe that we normally give to people. And it helps you with like falling asleep and also can help with maintaining sleep, right? So let's say you tried that, that didn't work. So then we move into some other drugs that we normally give. I know for myself, I don't, I try my best. I try everything else before I give those drugs. Um, Some of them, like a lot of people um, take um, like uh, drugs like benzodiazepines, like, like your Valium, right? To to try to help them sleep and they use it for sleep, but mostly it's a medication that's used for anxiety. So like we're saying, if you're anxious, right, it's going to be really hard for you to sleep. So how it's used to sleep is that it calms you down a little bit so you can fall asleep, right? So it is effective in that sense, but the problem with it is a controlled substance and it has a high, um, high risk of abuse. And that's why we try not to um, prescribe those medications for sleep, right? And then it's, it has long-term effects. It can, um, especially depending on what your uh, chronic medical conditions are, it's not safe to, your, to mix with alcohol. Um, it can increase your risk of sedation and other problems. So that's why we try not to prescribe those medications. And then you have all your other, um, your Z drugs, which are your Ambien, your Lunesta, your Sonata. Those are also controlled substances as well because of their potential for abuse. And those medications, they're great for sleep. Like I tell patients all the time, I'm like, yeah, it's going to help you go to sleep. But the problem is, is you become so dependent on it that you can't go to sleep without taking the medication. Mm -hmm. So then we're back to where we started, right? So now you're dependent on the medication that so you got to take this medication to fall asleep and we also know that when you're on these medications for long term it increases your risk of dementia so we try not to prescribe those medications and i really and it's really hard because i try to tell patients like if you just change your habits then 
Why not have to put you on a medication? There's some people you have to put on medications, right? But there are a lot of people that come in with these complaints. Like, I mean, they just don't want to do the work, right? And and they want and they want something like a quick fix, right? But then it it causes a problem. And the irony is, if you get dementia, you'll never sleep. Like, you ain't seeing insomnia until you have taken care of a patient with dementia. So, you know, I think that's the cruel irony in the whole thing is that some of the medicines that they, because everybody, almost all patients skip through all of the, the, the better, the better options. And they go straight to, you know, I want the Ambien, I want the BZ2s. Um, And so... And they carry this risk of dementia. You're thinking, okay, if we start, you know, if you're already, if you're in your fifties and you're already like, we need to get on these medicines and then you can't sleep without them. So for the next, you know, 20 years, you take this medicine every day and then, and then you develop dementia. Um, Dementia patients don't have good sleeping patterns because just of how the brain, you know, starts to react. And so, I, you know, always seems like a sad tale that the one thing that we were trying to do, which is develop better sleeping habits, and we skipped over all the natural ways, and you eventually got on this medicine and you used to sleep. The side effect that it's going to give you is dementia, which is going to mean that you never sleep normally again. Like, it's just such a sad, like, ending. Yeah, it is. And it's because like, and then they're, you're talking to the patient and you know that this, all of this stuff can happen, right? And you just don't want to perpetuate the habit. You don't want to start it, but sometimes- They are not trying to hear it. Unfortunately. Or I think because they're, they're so not. focused, right? Like, so patients, y'all do this a lot. You, you come to us with a goal, like the medicine that you want, right? And we're offering all these other things and- and you're and you're trying them, and I got that in air quotes. Like, yeah, yeah, I did that. I did that. I uh-huh, try TV. And when you really get into it, they're like, well, I don't turn off the TV all the time. But every now and then, I turn it off, and that doesn't work either. Well, turning off the TV one day in a week does not count as developing good sleep hygiene, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I stop. I stop drinking sodas. I'm like, first of all, your A1C is 10.5, so you drinking something at night, right? <laughs> and we do these, and we do these. You know, now we're doing this telehealth visits. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen like ginger ale, Pepsi, Coke, juice bottles, right? Liters, you know, at the bedside. So you roll over in the middle of the night and you drink this down because you know, well, I gotta have something because my throat is dry. Well, not a pop, right? Like or soda because I'm in the south, but um, you didn't have to have that, and so they kind of really are not taking a good inventory of all the things they can change for the natural remedies. And and they're and they're it's not that they um it's not that they wouldn't, but in their minds they have they're convinced that the only thing that's gonna work is if you give me this ambient. Right, right. And I also think that it's it's the culture, like even like for instance, even when people have some types of anxiety, sometimes you need to be on medication for your anxiety, right? But sometimes people don't want to do the work and find out let's find the root cause of your anxiety or your depression, right? Like maybe if we find out what's going on, then maybe we can fix things, right? But that takes work, right? And it's just the same the same, the same, same thing as when people want to lose weight, right? They're like, doc, give me this pill so I can lose weight. Yeah, yeah, it's going to work for a while, but you really have to do the work in order to lose the weight. You have to eat right. You got to exercise. That's 
the only way. One of the things that we haven't really talked about, I'm just going to touch on it really quickly, is that usually when my patients tell me they have sleep problems, in addition to all the things we've already talked about, I usually talk to them about their alcohol habits too, because I'm like, all right, are you drinking? And sometimes you get to digging and you realize, all right, these people, they're drinking alcohol. How much alcohol are you drinking a night? Oh, you drink alcohol to help you fall asleep. But the sleep you get when you've been drinking alcohol is not the type of sleep that you need because it messes with your with your ratio of your REM and your non-REM. And then sometimes you get to know these patients, you go through their med list, sometimes they're on a stimulant. So sometimes they're taking a medication, you know, that keeps you awake. It's a stimulant Mm -hmm. and that's, and that's messing with their sleep. So there's a lot of different factors of what people are just doing in their day to day, stuff that they're taking on their day to day. And it's all just messing up their sleep. So if I see you for a sleep visit, we're going to dig into all these different aspects, you know, in addition to the fact that, you know, if you do have anxiety or depression, I agree with Dr. Chris, you probably should have at least a therapist on board, at least to kind of help you through this. And then also, let's also acknowledge that there's a whole like sleep medicine realm of specialists who do this all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So I also have a lot of patients who have ended up seeing sleep specialists because, you know, it's gotten to a point where, you know, they are really finding it like difficult to navigate. And even with medication, you know, they aren't having a lot of energy. They're not being productive. They're not, you know, so people fall in different categories, but there's a whole realm of medicine dedicated just to this. It's called sleep medicine. Very true. Very true. Because, you know, and I send a lot of people sleep medicine and, you know, I, I think people think we only send, you know, we only send our overweight patients when we think they have sleep apnea um, to sleep medicine. But that's not necessarily the case. That's if you've just kind of failed, you know, all things. And so we diagnose all kind of stuff. You know, some of you will have restless leg syndrome and that may be an issue. Some of you all are not having sleep apnea, but for whatever reason, you have like, you know, a nocturnal hypoxia and that, you know, becomes an issue. You do not have to be obese to have sleep apnea or hypoxia issues. There are some people that are normal weight that just have, you know, bad anatomy. Um, Maybe your jaw structure is set up in a certain way where you just don't breathe well at night. And so, you know, some of that is the cause. But before I send you to the specialist, I really am trying to make sure we've been very thorough and making sure that there was not a way to naturally remedy um what it is i've even had to have some people um sleep in separate rooms so um does your partner snore you know we've we've kind of we're talking about your sleep in isolation but does your partner snore um are they a sweat box you know are they always a hot body uh do they sleep wild um are you you know are you easily you know um you know, agitated, you know, or do you wake easily when when people move around and i've had to have a few a few couples sleep in separate rooms. They're like, let's just do a trial of it for, you know, a couple of weeks to see like, does it make it better? And some people come back to say, yeah, it does. And we've had to make, make some decisions about, you know, what mm-mm, sleeping, mm-mm. what co-sleeping looks like. Um, so maybe those old school movies where we were watching the married couple and they both had their own twin bed in the bed in the, in the room, <laughs> maybe they were on to something, right? Because, you know, if you can't feel, you know, your husband or your wife or your significant other, you know, tossing and turning and it doesn't disrupt your sleep. Well, when you wake up in the morning, if you're not fatigued, you know, a lot of things can happen when you're, when you're not tired in the morning, but if you're exhausted in the morning, like you still can't interact with your partner. So yeah, and I, I definitely think you're onto something for for real because like when you were looking at those old school comedies when they were in the separate bed, they seemed like they had happier marriages. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's probably because they were. Oh my goodness, <laughs> they were able to sleep. I mean, sleep is important. 
I'm trying to tell y'all. I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to have morning sex, like, nobody's getting up early to have some sex if you, like, been wrestling with your sleep right. all morning. You need some rest uh, for that. <laughs> right. But if, you know, if you wake up in the morning, you're like, whoo, I ain't got a solid eight hours. Like, what you know about this morning session we're about to get. So, <laughs> you know, I think it, I think it matters because... If you, you know, couples, especially with kids or with, with jobs, like gone are the days of traditional, okay, it's right before we go to bed, we're going to engage in intercourse and then we're going to fall asleep. Like sometimes it just ain't there. Like somebody's went to bed before somebody was on, on, on kid shower bath duty and I got to go to bed early, all kind of stuff happened. And so your ability to interact with everybody, including your partner that sleeps with you in the same room with you depends on how good your sleep is. Um, you've been hearing this a lot about sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is a sleep disorder and it occurs when a person's breathing is interrupted during sleep. So it it, it um, results in some periods while you're sleeping that you're not breathing, right? And that means that you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain and to other organs. So that can cause um, problems, right? It can increase your risk of hypertension, stroke. It can cause some arrhythmias, um, depression, headaches, worsening ADHD. So um, there are two types of sleep apnea. There's the obstructive sleep apnea, which is, uh, and that's when you have blockage of the airway, usually with the soft tissue of the throat collapse during sleep. So that causes the periods of you're not getting enough oxygen. And then there's central sleep apnea where the airway is not blocked, but the just brain just fails to signal the muscles to breathe due to the um, to breathe due to instability in your respiratory control center, right? So that's that's central sleep apnea. So basically, um, to diagnose this, we usually um, send you to get a sleep study, and they can diagnose um, sleep apnea. But some of your risk factors uh, um, are being male overweight, um, over 40, large neck size, um, 17 inches in male and 16 inches in females, um, having large tonsils, snoring, loud snoring, uh, family history of sleep apnea. If you have some like nasal obstructions or like a deviated septum that can increase your risk. Um, some of their symptoms, right, if of sleep apnea are that you're having like very sore, dry throat in the morning, really loud snoring, loud snoring with periods like your partner's telling you like it, you're snoring so bad, like it sounds like you're not breathing sometimes and it's scary. Um, waking up occasionally, like choking or gasping for air. Having daytime sleepiness because you're snoring, waking up, you're not sleeping well enough. So then during the day, you're just falling asleep and you could just be falling asleep, like doing like falling asleep while driving, which is like very dangerous. Um, and also lack of energy in the day. And you can also have increased headaches, right? So forgetfulness. So all of, all of these things are, are, um, possible symptoms of sleep apnea. So we usually like, if someone um, is, someone comes to my office and they're like, Oh, I think I might have sleep apnea. Um, so I ask them a couple of questions. We have like these questionnaires. And if we think that, you know, you score kind of high on it, then we're like, okay, then maybe you probably do have sleep apnea. So you have to get that, you have to get a diagnosis of this by doing a sleep study. So basically what they do is they monitor your sleep, 
right? Monitor, monitor um, how long or what times that you're like not, not breathing while you're sleeping, right? And then for the treatment, if they see that you are diagnosed with sleep apnea, they usually give you what's called a CPAP machine, right? So with this machine, what it does, it causes continuous um, airway pressure to open up and that they put um, open up the airways, especially your nasal airways. So you always are getting continuous amount of oxygen. So the, those periods where you would have those periods where you wouldn't be breathing, you're getting oxygen, right? So you have more restful sleep. And it's some patients don't like it because it's annoying because you got to sleep with a mask, but it really is a game changer and changes your life. Like I try to tell patients, like you really, if if you got this, like to do it because you really will change, you will feel much better and it's it's good if you can keep up with it. But let's say, you know, you don't want to do that. There are some ways that you can, without having to do the sleep, um, the, the CPAP, if you just, we always say it, you lose weight. Maybe if you're overweight, you lose a little weight. It could help, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have like this deviated symptom, maybe getting that fixed, that can help. So there are other things that you can do to help improve your sleep like we were talking about, like before. And can I say, because people like to skip out on, on using their, their CPAP machine. And the problem is, if, is that if you need a CPAP machine for sleep apnea and you've got a respiratory respiratory problem, you probably have increased pulmonary, your lung pressures, and your lung system is supposed to be a low pressure system. But if it's turned into a high pressure system and we are figuring it out through the fact that you have sleep apnea, then we know that if you do not treat your sleep apnea over the years, you will develop right sided heart failure and right sided heart failure ends up being left side heart failure. But for you, regardless of whether it's right or left, you're going to get heart failure and you can get that from having uncontrolled sleep apnea for long periods of time. So your CPAP machine is doing more than just keeping your airway open. One, it's allowing you to sleep, allowing you to get good REM sleep, which means that you can actually heal tissues, you know, rest, um, let your brain do its job, you know, wake up in the morning more refreshed, but it's also decreasing your lung pressures, which takes the pressure off your heart. So you do not end up developing more problems. So, you know, it's always connected, you know, it's never just as one thing. The other, uh, sleep disorder I was going to talk about really quick guys is restless leg syndrome, which, um, a lot of people might not really know about that, but, um, basically this is, um, when you have this overwhelming need to move your legs with and feeling these uncomfortable sensations or worsens during rest or inactivity. So it's like you just you just can't stop but move your legs a lot. And it, it, it interrupts your sleep, right? Because you're always moving so you can't like fall asleep. Simple blood work. It could be that maybe you just have an iron deficiency or not taking enough magnesium, stuff like that can help with that. Or if you have untreated sleep apnea, that can also increase your risk of this restless leg. So, um, and there's certain medications can also precipitate this and make that worse. Like if you're taking, um, uh, lithium or any, um, antihistamines that can increase your risk of having this restless leg. And uh, there are medications that we kind of use for that. We use, um, this medication called Requip and also, um, some other medications that can help with that. But for the most part, sometimes it's just, 
we do some simple lab work and we turn out and it turns out, oh, your iron is a little low. We can just give you some iron or replace some vitamins and that can help. So guys, that's all I have for sleep. Unless anybody has anything else. To add, that was good. You covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm impressed, Doctor Chris. Good. I'm impressed. Well, you know, I try some times, guys. Try some time. So, uh, so we have some Q and A's. Um, I just want to remind you guys that you know I'll post some prompts onto our IG and our Facebook for if you guys need like submit questions because again, you know I check the inbox every day. If you have any questions about any previous episodes, doesn't have to be the one that we just covered. Um, feel free to send it to our inbox. Um, but these are some questions that we are going to get to today. So first question here is, so with the new year here, I'm trying to get healthier and cook healthier meals. I've been wondering whether I should buy new cookware as my current set is made with mostly Teflon products. Is Teflon really unhealthy to use? Should I invest in Teflon-free products? And I've also heard that storing food in plastic containers containing BPA is harmful. Is this true? And what is the consensus from the medical community regarding using Teflon in plastics containing BPA? Discuss. So there are some articles out there to suggest that, um, you know, the no stick um, cookware has harmful products in it. Um, and so, you know, depending on where you're reading that, they will recommend that you, you know, opt for, you know, non non Teflon. Like I don't have any in my house, but you know, it, I had it in college and then once it went out and the part of the problem is, is how people cook with them. Right. So normally when you get Teflon um, pots and pans, they come with, you know, plastic where that you're supposed to cook with them. Nobody ever does it. Right. So everybody's always stuck a regular spoon in that pot and that pan to stir up something really quickly and it scratches the surface of the coating. And they think that it's the chemicals underneath the coating that get exposed and start to seep into food as you cook. And so they recommend that you not use it. Now, if you are, now this is a budget thing. And so if you are disciplined and you use woodware, you know, bamboo wood, use plasticware when you're cooking with your dishes and you don't scratch them. So you don't expose the surface. And I think they're perfectly fine to use. If you can splurge and you can afford to, you know, buy some updated cookware, you know, I never tell anybody no to that. I've got cast iron skillets in my house. I love my cast iron skillets. They're seasoned. I use them all the time. And then I also have non, um, non, um, non-stick uh, cookware. Those are my primary things. So I get what, what the listener is asking for. If you can splurge on it, that's fine. What you have to know is that there is a trend. This is not a physician thing. This is just from experience. We have been cooking on on no stick pots and pans for so long that I will warn you that there is a transition period on learning how to cook with old school, well, now new school nonstick cookware to prevent from risking that. It's just going to be an adjustment. But, you know, if you can splurge on it, that's fine. If you've got to keep what you have, you can do that too. You just can't scratch the surface of the nonstick wear, which means not putting those metal spoons, forks, knives in that dish as you are trying to um, stir your food or cook your food and you can still be safe. So I will add to this because I am in school, which I don't even know if I told the listeners that. So I'm also in school. I'm getting my master's. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that to y'all. <laughs> y'all, I like you guys are my family now. You, you guys know <laughs> that about me. Um, because I am getting my master's in public health, we actually talk about this a lot in my environmental health class. So basically, there is this whole huge movement that is getting a bunch of evidence around it. I'll, get, I'll make it really short for you guys. 
So there's a lot of new evidence um, and a lot of new research that's happening about something called nanoparticles, which basically just means small particles. So basically, mm -hmm. as we have progressed in technology and things like that, like, you know, as a people, there are some particles which are really, really small that are present in a lot of the things that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. But now we've come up with a way that, hey, we're identifying them and now we're measuring them. And then now the new research is, okay, well, what is this causing inside of our bodies? So the more research we find, we're seeing that a lot of these particles that we thought weren't really a big deal are actually really a big deal. So in regards to her particular or his or her particular question about cookware, if you are really diligent about it, you can actually find non-stick, non-toxic cookware um, that is basically absent of all of the nanoparticles that, you know, anybody uses in any type of cookware. Now, are they expensive? Yes. Um, and usually you find them at like Sur La Table, maybe the top shelf of, you know, like a Bed Bath & Beyond type of thing, but they do exist. So if you don't want to think about, oh my gosh, is my son or daughter going to take that fork and use it on my nonstick pan? And if, if it's better for your anxiety to just get something that's non-toxic, non-stick, it does exist. Um, but the research that is coming out is ever-changing day-to-day, and it's on nonstick pans, even like water-resistant clothing, like the ties and slacks and stuff. So there are certain particles that we're using more as a people that are causing lots of toxins to be in the world and in our bodies. So you're not wrong. This is something that's evolving, and we're going to be on this journey together. That's all. I love a good uh, cast iron skillet, too, though. Just, you know, heads up, go old school. My grandmother had them. I think all of our grandparents had them <laughs> growing up. And so I will tell you that um, I don't I don't fry or cook things often. So I, and, and lately, because I am not eating meat, um, I've not pulled them out. And but um, cast iron skillets are also good um, to go. You just have to learn how to season them. And please don't wash your cast iron skillet after you season it. But you can Google how to care for cast iron because that's also an option too. It's very old school, but they're they're versatile. You can use them on uh, on the top of the stove. You can mm -hmm. throw them in the oven. Mm -hmm. You can throw them on your grill. So if you're like, you know, like you can take your cast iron skillet and put it on your grill and you can fry up foods there. Like it's very versatile. And so um, I'm definitely a fan and it tends to be void of all the toxins that you're also looking for. But they require a little bit more care. Yep. They sure do. And they're heavy. So, uh, they are very heavy. Definitely washed my cast iron skillet and I got rust all over it. What? So, yeah, definitely look at those YouTube to learn how to. I cannot believe we are friends and you washed your cast iron skillet. You know you can reseason it, right? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh. I did. You brought, it, you brought it, it back. You I brought it back. It. I, I brought it back, yeah. But I mean, I love my Dutch oven. I just bought a new Dutch oven oh, um, from Macy's. It was on sale and I absolutely love it. So I used it for. Uh, uh, Christmas and you know cook some uh, Cornish hens in there and it turned out really good. So free of all those uh, Teflon products and BPAs, um, just season it really well and just pop it in the oven and it, it tastes great. So, um, so not a question, but I was I was told to plug our little hashtag. So as you know, uh, myself and Dr. Amy Joe, uh, we have a Peloton. Or you accounts. don't know. And <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> so we're all we're all about getting you active and healthy. And you know, with summertime shy coming up, I'm sure it's a big thought in everybody's minds here. So I want to plug our little uh, Peloton hashtag. So it's the exact same as our handle. So the chocolate MDS. Um, I usually ride at night. Amy Joe is a beast and likes to ride at like the, the crack of dawn, <laughs> which I do. So. 
if you're a night owl, follow me. If you're not, then do Amy Joe. But either way, um, we are on there most of the time. So we'd love to you guys to have us uh, do a swarm with us and hopefully we'll see you on the leaderboard pretty soon. I told, yes, I, join us. I told Nono and Amy Joe that they have to make us look good then because clearly me and Chris do not have a Peloton nope. and we are and we are not properly represented <laughs> no. on this hashtag. We are so not. I'm like I'm like, if you guys are, are on your Peloton representing us, y'all better be top notch. Y'all better be top of the class. Like, I heard you can give each other high fives. Bro. Like, oh, high five, friend. You you're you're <laughs> at the top of the class, queen. You can high five. I mean, I'm all you can well. video. It's uh-huh. so cool. But yeah, let let Dr. Noto break it down for you. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a I mean, I'm like an amateur cyclist, so I like do 20 miles on Lakeshore Drive just for fun. Um, but I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for Peloton by any means. I just need something consistent with like a workout, um, that I was, you know, the pandemic kind of took away from us because I wasn't trying to go down to the gym and like risk getting COVID just like, you know, get a six pack. So, um, it's very consistent, you know, it's, you know, done in the comfort of your own home. The class, uh, playlists are like super good. Um, I'm up doing like Megan the Stallion and I hope they release a Cardi B, uh, playlist, uh, pretty soon. I, I will be all over that. Um, but like playlists are decent. Um, and it's, it's a really good workout and I highly recommend anyone. If you need something consistent, you know, that's, that's the way to go. So. I, you know, I, I don't, I am not planning on entering a gym for at least another two years in my mind. Like, I think it's going to take us that long to find some, some true normalcy. So when I invested in my gym and, and the, the chocolate bees have seen my, my gym, it's, it, there's more than just a Peloton in it. So it's quite extensive. Um, I knew that this was where my money is. And so, you know, I, I don't buy, I don't have a gym membership anymore. Like I gave it up. And so the money that I, the monthly, fees that I'm spending really are all in my home gym. I think I like it because now when I'm negotiating like with myself, like the the cool thing about the Peloton app is that there's always at least a 20 minute class you can get in. And no matter how much you slept over, you can convince yourself that you can get on this bike for 20 minutes. Like, and you can find good classes. I, I love Day. Like, you can get on 20 minutes with her and you will be sweating by the end of your workout. So it has helped me. Um, it has helped me have like a class I can take versus me going in there just to do cardio in general. Like I'm just going to go get on this machine. I'm just going to do some cardio or I'm just going to do my own thing for the next 20 minutes. Like that's really hard to convince yourself to get out the bed to do. But if I know I can hit a class and say for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to follow the instructions of this. Um, I like I tend to like um the older classes better than the live classes because I'm goal oriented. So I need to see my little uh bar fall into like whatever they said, like, you know, resistance versus endurance. It's not a present in the live class, it throws me off and I'm like, how do I know if I'm doing good? Um and I know I heard you, but I, I'm tired. Like I'm not always listening. So sometimes I need to see, you know, I need to push to kind of keep myself, you know, within the goals. So whatever you can do to build your own community to keep you eating and moving and healthy, do it. And apparently, do it. if you happen to be in the Peloton community, then you can race against No-No and Amy Joe. <laughs> right. Yes. Come join us. Right. This is not an ad, by the way. This no, is not an ad. Well, 
my output, but um, I can't do Tune Day. I, I don't say that right now. I did her once and almost oh, died. I love so, Tune Day, uh, but you know, I do have to say, I, like I do Cody. have to say the commercials, the Cody commercials for the Peloton, they're very like they they get me motivated. I'd be like, oh shoot, I should work out. Then I'd be like, nah. <laughs> Don't listen to Dr. Chris, y'all. She definitely works out. This woman has trainers. Like, do not listen to Dr. Chris. She is out here in these streets working out. Don't let Chris um, fool you. Don't listen to her. Right? Yeah, I'm joking. Y'all. I'm joking. Y'all. She's working out. All right. So find us on the top three. So IG, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is the Chocolate MDS. Um, please be sure to send us questions um, so that we can feature them in our future episodes. So the email is thechocolatemds at gmail.com. Um, y'all, send us questions. I was surprised I didn't get any questions after the weed episode. So I know y'all are just itching to ask us stuff about it. So please send us those. And if you have any, if you listen to our old episodes and have questions about content that we covered there, you know, send us those questions by all means. No, no, you stay. Uh, so that's, you yeah. stay yelling oh, at yeah. our audience. You stay yelling at them. <laughs> Watch. Be careful. Be careful yeah, what you ask for. It. Watch uh, this thing explode. Uh, hey, I'm I'm ready for it. Our inbox is dry, so please, you know, let's let's get some action going. So yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that right there, and I'm gonna bid you here. guys farewell. Bye, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yes, it's past <laughs> my guys. bedtime, and it's gone. We gotta go. Bye. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>